BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. I'm your host, Sean Parnell. I am a I'm a combat veteran. I was wounded in service to our great country in Afghanistan. I'm also a best-selling author, and now we're rolling out this uh, live stream show for the first time ever. Uh, and before we get to it, I, I just want to say I want to th- send a thank you to Deepwell, which is our founding sponsor of this podcast and this live stream. None of this would be possible without this amazing energy company. Um, They've been with us from the very beginning, and they're just incredible partners. And, and I'll just say this about them. The people, the men and women who work for Deepwell, they're in the energy industry. If you follow me, whether it's on the campaign trail or you listen to me on Wendy Bell radio program, you know that the energy industry is something that's deeply, deeply important to me. The men and women who work in the indus- the energy industry, the people who go out to the these these rigs and work long hours, they're American patriots. They love and care about the environment. Why? Because they live in the environment and they care about the environment a hell of a lot more than any of these purple haired grad student freaks that that protest them every day. And so we live in a country that is that's amazing. Like we go to a bar, go to a restaurant. We have power. Uh, you like the lights on in your house you know, thank an energy worker. They're American patriots and Battleground Live would not be possible without them. So Deepwell, thank you for being a founding sponsor of Battleground and thank you for taking a chance on me. We're so psyched uh, to to be a partner with you. I also have, uh, I'd also like to thank Wendy Bell for giving me the opportunity to host her radio program, uh, both during the 
week of 4th of July and all last week. Now, this is my first foray into the radio, so I'd never done anything like that before in my life. And I remember telling Wendy and I remember telling Brock, who is her producer, there's no way in hell I'll be able to talk for three hours. It's just no way. Never done it before. Uh, they assured me from the moment that I walked into that studio that I'd be able to do it. And frankly, I just fell in love with it. So that also led me to where we are here today. So thank you both of them as well. Um, this country is going off the rails. Uh, the title of this episode is The Corrupt Persecution of Donald Trump Continues. And all day today, I mean, news broke and Donald Trump was out there talking about Judge Chutkin and the fact that she recused. We'll get to that in a second. But the breaking news today, uh, what's breaking right now, is the Georgia DA files and then retracts felony charges against Trump before the grand jury even voted on any criminal charges or any indictments at all. I mean, isn't that crazy? So check this out from the Post Millennial. On Monday, a document outlining charges against the 2024 GOP frontrunner Donald Trump by Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis, uh, Fannie Willis's office was brief, briefly posted online and deleted without explanation. The grand jury in charge of the case has yet to vote on the matter. The document dated, for, uh, dated August 14th and it was obtained by Reuters, reveals 13 charges against Trump, 12 of which are felonies. One is listed as a serious felony. So get this. The charges, and now, by the way, what a freaking joke all this is. I mean, if as if we needed more proof that the system was rigged, how does the DA post on the official court docket all of these indictments prior to the grand jury even reaching their conclusions. I mean, my God, whether it was the, the election in 2020 to all the COVID lockdowns to once trusted institutions in this country, like our medical institution, people don't trust it anymore. So now this, how can anybody tr trust the system? I mean, clearly the system is rigged against, against President Trump, but check this out. Check out some of these, these um, indictments that Fannie Willis, again, this is the corrupt DA in Georgia is rolling a got out against President Trump. It's absolutely ridiculous. The charges include violations of the state uh, of the state racketeer, racketeer influenced and corruption organizations, RICO Act, conspiracy to commit forgery in the first degree, filing false documents and conspiracy to commit impersoning a public officer among others, all related to attempts to overturn the 2020 election results in, in Georgia. Now, as we all know, it is not a crime to protest an election. Every Democrat in this country and every election that they have ever lost going all the way back to 1960, they protested. In fact, when President Trump won in 2016, the Democrats for four years called him a foreign agent. They they said he was he was an illegitimate president. They did nothing but slander and attack President Trump relentlessly for four years. And now we've got this, this corrupt, this corrupt DA posting charges before the before the grand jury even announces whatever the what the indictments are. Um, I want to give you a sense of because there's all this talk in the media now. The media will talk about oh, it's it's a grand jury and oh look, a grand jury indicted him, so these 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 charges must be legitimate, folks. 
a grand jury is basically just like a rubber stamp. So <laughs> it's like, check out this video of one of the, um, I think she's the lead juror in the grand jury on the Trump indictments in, in Georgia. Check out, check out this video from this, from this grand jury member and you decide whether or not the grand jury can be trusted. Did you personally want to hear from the former president? I wanted to hear from the former president, but honestly, I kind of wanted to subpoena the former president because I got to swear everybody in. Mm. And so I thought it'd be really cool to get 60 seconds with President Trump of me looking at him and being like, do you solemnly swear? And me getting to swear him in? I just, I kind of just thought that would be an awesome moment. What the heck is that? What first of all, why is she out there doing media? Why is she out? Oh, I just kind of thought it would be an awesome thing to be able to subpoena President Trump and look him in the eye. Like, how, how is this happening in America? The process is clearly rigged. Elections are clearly rigged. And this is why the vast majority of people in this country don't trust the system because the system has been corrupted by Democrats at almost every level. Now, now use the FBI as an example. Okay. I, I've got friends in the FBI who are boots on the ground agents. I've got, I've, I know people who have served in and around the hostage rescue team. They're the best in the world, but I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about what Democrats do is they infiltrate institutions. Now, now I say Democrats, but really what I mean are communists. What they do is they infiltrate these institutions, they occupy key positions, and then they they their their tyranny and their corrupt nature trickles down to everybody else through the policies that they implement, through the crimes that they either choose to pursue or not. And so speaking of this entirely corrupt system, President Trump has been on the offense today speaking out about Judge Chutkin in his DC indictments. Now, again, when I talked to Don Jr. about this, like he jokes about it with me, but really it's a sad commentary on where we are as a country right now. Yeah, I, I pick up the phone and talk to Don. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, another day, another indictment. I mean, I, again, I know we're joking around about it, but isn't that a tragedy? Doesn't that speak to the tragic nature of where we are as a country right now? And if you're a member of the Trump family, by the way, I know them. They're great people. The media does them a complete and total disservice. They lie about them on the daily. They're good people. And this country is lucky to have them. And especially with President Trump, the guy just loves the country. I mean, the motto of his campaign is make America great again. Uh, yet the media, think about this for just a second while we go off on this like little sidebar. The media has somehow like co-opted or is trying to co-opt MAGA and, and make MAGA or make America great again synonymous with being a white supremacist. I mean, that is mind blowing in and of itself, uh, but it just shows you what their true intentions are because the Trumps are good people. I know them personally. They love this country. They want this country to be successful. They want your children to have a bright future in this country. That's it. The media, what they tell you about the Trumps are lies. And so President Trump has been on the offense all day today talking about Judge Chutkin in D.C. and and how she should recuse. And I want to read you, uh, Trump is doing everything he can to show the ex extreme political bias of this judge. And uh, Trump wrote on Truth Social today, I see the videotapes. I see the footage. Now, this is from Judge Chutkin. She, she wrote this in one of her decisions. So this isn't President Trump saying this. So imagine Judge Chutkin saying this in one of her opinions uh, about a January 6th defendant. 
I see the videotapes. I see the footage of the flags and the signs that people were carrying and the hats that they were wearing and the garb and the people who were and the people who mobbed the that capital were there in fealty and loyal loyalty to one man, not to the Constitution, of which most of the people who come before me seem woefully ignorant, not to the ideals of this country and not to the principles of democracy. It's a blind loyalty to one person who, by the way, remains free to this day. Now, folks, I don't know what to tell you, but clearly Judge Chutkin in D.C., when she says something like uh, someone who, by the way, remains free to this day, clearly her desire is to put President Trump behind bars. And, and moreover, Fannie Willis, clearly her desire is to put President Trump behind bars, not put justice first, right? Put President Trump behind bars. And how about Alvin Bragg in New York and these bogus indictments? And by the way, left-wing lawyers who I talked to, they've even told me, my buddies, they've even told me, hey, look, you know, like I don't agree with President Trump at all. There's no way in hell I'd ever vote for the guy, but these indictments coming out of New York are weak as hell. So does it surprise anybody? And so I, so I guess what, what blows my mind, let me take a step back, is that there are people out there who look at the system and the way that it's operating and, and, and they believe that somehow it's operating as the way it's intended, as independent and impartial, it, the blind eye of the law, justice will be doled out equally and fairly. Obviously, that's not the case. Do you want to know why? Because Alvin Bragg, Fannie Willis, um, and, and Judge Chutkin, and Jack Smith, beady-eyed, creepy, jittery, mouth-breathing Jack Smith, the special prosecutor who was appointed by Merrick Garland, who is now going after President Trump. All of these elected officials and these DAs who are leveling these charges against President Trump, they all campaigned on putting him in jail. So why should anybody be, first of all, why should anybody think that the system is operating the way that it should? They shouldn't believe that. But why would anybody be surprised that this is how these people are operating? They're clearly acting like a bunch of fascists who, who believe that they're above the law. And they're trying to put a former president in prison for exercising his First Amendment rights and challenging an election. And again, I'll reiterate Democrats have challenged every election they've lost going all the way back to 1960. So why President Trump is is not allowed to challenge an election is beyond me, but ultimately they're hypocrites. But let me let me read you some more from from uh, U.S. District Judge Tanya Chutkin. Again, this is just her words. So those folks, y'all are watching. You decide if you think that she should recuse because the rule is, is basically just even the appearance of bias warrants a recusal. I'll say that again. Even the appearance of any sort of bias warrants a recusal. So here's more from Judge District Judge Tanya Chutkin, D.C. People gathered all over the country last year to protest the violent murder by the police of an unarmed man. Some of those protests became violent. But to compare the actions of people protesting mostly peacefully for civil rights to those of a violent mob seeking to overthrow the lawfully elected government is a false equivalency and ignores the very real danger that the January 6th riot posed to the foundation 
of our democracy. Isn't it absolutely crazy? And maybe it's not. I mean, frankly, nothing surprises me in this day and age. But that this woman, that this judge is using radical leftist rhetoric in her language. She even says that the Black Lives Matter and Antifa riots were mostly peaceful. Do you remember the the Antifa riot in Seattle where they created Chaz? They wanted a nation to secede from Washington state. Like they wanted to create a whole new nation within America. These are Antifa laid siege to a government building, a federal government building in Oregon for like six months. They laid siege to the White House and, and battered and bloodied Secret Service agents. I think there's something like 50 Secret Service agents. <laughs> like they tried to burn down a church. I mean, they they killed people. And so how it's a false equivalency to to talk about you know the the summer of love and equate that to January 6th. I would agree it's a false equivalency. What Black Lives Matter and what Antifa did was a hell of a lot worse. It was a hundred times worse. You tell me, look at what happened with January 6th. Look, I, riots are a bad thing. I don't like them. But if you want to talk about what really was mostly peaceful, January 6th was mostly peaceful. Period. End of story. I mean, Congress, I, look, again, we don't excuse, I don't excuse violence. There's never an excuse for rioting, but Congress was back at work in two hours. I mean, so yeah, it is a false equivalency. What Black Lives Matter and what Antifa did was a hundred times worse than, than January 6th. U.S. District Judge Tanya Chutkin sentencing January 6th defendants to jail even when the Biden Justice Department recommends no jail time. So here, the government is charging January 6ers. So January 6th grandmothers, essentially, or people who at worst should be charged with unlawful parading or maybe, maybe trespassing. Now, again, Antifa, Black Lives Matter almost uniformly had their, their charges dropped. Some of those people burned tried to burn hotels to the ground or throw Molotov cocktails at cop cars. But yeah, their charges were dropped. Unlawful parading, lock them up and throw away the key, even when the government doesn't recommend any prison time. So get this. While this is this is uh, from an ABC article about Judge Chutkin about the January 6th trials. While prosecutors recommended three months under home confinement and probation for 37-year-old Matt Mazzocco, Judge Chutkin said in a ruling, there have to be consequences for those involved in an attempt in, a, in an attempted violent overthrow of a branch of the U.S. government. Like, come on. Beyond just, she says, she goes on, beyond just sitting at home. If Mr. Mazako walks away with probation and a slap on the wrist, that's not going to deter anyone trying what he did again, Chutkin said. It does not in this court's opinion, indicate the severity, the gravity of the offenses that he committed on January 6th. Now, the government didn't ask for this sentence. The government who was prosecuting him didn't believe his charges warranted prison time. But this judge went above and beyond to put him in prison, to make an example of him. She, she's right when she says it's not going to deter anybody because that is what the political persecution of all the January Sixers who are rotting in jail, to some of whom are rotting in jail to this day, and ultimately President Trump, the reason why they're doing all of this is to deter conservatives, deter our movement from speaking out against all the shenanigans, shenanigans that we're seeing, whether whether 
it's in regard to elections or in regards to COVID lockdowns or in regards to the weaponization of our federal government against the people protesting about big tech. Now, are the, these leftists who are in power, they despise you. They think you're a bitter clinger. They think you're a racist, misogynist, xenophobe. The latest thing is you're a domestic terrorist. <laughs> they want you to shut up. And they are using January Sixers, throwing them in prison and the political persecution of Donald Trump to scare you. So Judge Chutkin is right in that regard. It almost seems like, it almost seems like, well, it doesn't seem like, to me, it's, they are politically persecuting Donald Trump and criminally indicting him. One, to make an example of him, to keep you from speaking out against their agenda. Okay, that that's happening. But it's also because he's going to win. He's the only candidate on the ballot running for president that has a shot against beating Joe Biden. And in fact, many polls that have come out recently show that Donald Trump is the only Republican running for president that has a snowball's chance in hell of beating Joe Biden in swing states like Pennsylvania, in swing states like Arizona, in Michigan. Wisconsin. Trump's the only one. In fact, many of these polls that are being released over the last week show President Trump winning. If President Trump was going to go down in a blaze of glory and it looked like there was no way in hell he was going to win this election, these indictments would not be happening. But they want to take him out. They want to take him off the ballot. They want to remove your ability over half the country. Ultimately, they want to remove your ability from voting for the candidates that you want. It's all about control. Control about control of what information you get. Control over who you vote for. Control over the narrative. Control over your lives. That's what modern leftism is all about. It's not a look, the, the Democrats of the 1960s, of really RFK Jr., they're by and large, they're gone. I mean, Robert Kennedy Jr. is rare in that party. By the way, I'm glad to see him coming out, speaking out against the insanity in his party. But liberals back during the Vietnam War, they were by and large anti-war. They didn't trust the government. If the government told you to do one thing, believe me, these people were doing the opposite. I don't know what happened to, to Democrats. Uh, they're all communists now. Even some of the most radical newspaper publications today I mean, they're coming out and attacking conservatives for questioning what the government is telling them. Like modern liberalism it, it, or being a Democrat today is synonymous with being like a fascist. It's synonymous with, you know, you look at what Antifa is doing in the street. You know, Antifa is basically their strong arm. You know, any Democrat that's sitting in Congress. They agree with what Antifa is doing to our cities. They agree with the threats Antifa makes towards freedom-loving patriots. It's all part of the plan for them. So at some point, the Democrat Party has diverged from being a free-thinking, you know, question-the-government uh, type of political movement. They have completely lost their way. But back to the point I was trying to make. There's no way they would be doing this stuff to President Trump if they thought that he was going to lose. The latest poll in South Carolina that came out today about the South Carolina primary has Trump 45%. So that's up four from June. DeSantis at 13%, down five. And then you have Scott and Haley, 
both at 11 points respect respectively. Chris Christie at 7%, Vivek at 5%, Pence at 2%, Hutchinson at 1%, Burgum at 1%. So Trump is up by over 30 points in South Carolina. And by the way, Tim Scott, Nikki Haley, they're both from South Carolina. And DeSantis down five. I mean, it's really kind of unbelievable that and by the way, I like Ron DeSantis. I mean, he was a great governor for Florida. I just, boy, it just doesn't seem like his time, does it? And despite this guy spending millions of dollars in ads, um, you know, it just, he's not doing well. And I think part of the reason is, is, you know, when you talk about loyalty, um, the media likes to portray loyalty as if it's, um, you know, like, oh, like, like President Trump is like a mafia don and oh, kiss the ring. Oh, you got you must be loyal to me. That's not how President Trump is. Um, in fact, President Trump is fine with hearing dissenting opinions. I know because I've talked to him before um, and and I've disagreed with him before and I've said it to him before and he handles that quite well. In fact, he wants to hear a lot of different opinions. When the man's in charge of a global business with tens of thousands of employees, he worked with Democrats on a day-to-day -day basis, both in his companies and in government officials in New York City. He never had a problem before he was running for president. It's only now we have Democrats and some Republicans, by the way, pulling out all the stops to stab him in the back at almost every opportunity available. Um, but President Trump doesn't mind hearing dissenting opinions. He welcomes it. But when you talk about loyalty and you look at Ron DeSantis. And, and the reason why I think most Americans have a problem with what he's doing. Now, Ron DeSantis is right. Governor DeSantis is right. No one's entitled to a nomination. And I think by and large, primaries can be a good thing because it helps you sharpen and hone your message for the general election. So I, so that's just where I'm at on that. He has a right to run. But when you look at the whole question of, of loyalty, like imagine you were at a firm or maybe you were a lawyer or something and half of the executive team and half and half of maybe the board members wanted to get rid of you and wanted to fire you. And the CEO of the company put his ass on the line and stood out there on the parapet and said, no, 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 I believe in this guy. You know, I want him with the company and you all should too. And ultimately they take a vote and they decide to keep you on. What would happen then? How would people in the company, in that company feel if then that person who the CEO saved turn around and try to get the CEO fired two years later after the CEO went on a limb to save this imaginary lawyer? I mean, it wouldn't feel very good about it, right? That's called backstabbing. And I think this is just how most Americans feel about what Ron DeSantis is doing running against President Trump. I think most people think. Now, again, I say this is somebody who believes that Governor DeSantis is probably the best governor in the country. You know, um, I think people feel like it's a betrayal to President Trump because ultimately Governor DeSantis would not have been governor if Trump didn't help him. That does not to say that he wasn't popular. It's not to say he hasn't done amazing things for that state. It's not the same that it's not to say that that Governor DeSantis really ha he's taken Florida off the board as as a swing state. So um, he's done amazing things. I'm just saying, 
I think what he's doing now running against President Trump rubs people the wrong way because it's just a loyalty thing. They believe he stabbed President Trump in the back when President Trump went on a limb for him. So I'll just say that um, apparently, and I know because I've talked to some of my sources uh, inside the government, but the GOP and some strategists say that there's a growing concern that if Trump is not the nominee, many of his core supporters who are, are and these people are estimated to make up 25% uh, to 35% of the party's base, will take their ball and go home. Now, I think, I wish that that wasn't the case, but here's here's the point I'll make here. President Trump, the media and, and a lot of, I mean, a lot of establishment Republicans will try to make the point that President Trump is a drag on the ballot. That could not be further from the truth. President Trump brings out a crazy, rabid base and a, and a cross-section of base Republican voters that no other Republican candidate can bring out. And that's why when people go after President Trump for his endorsements and they say, well, look at all of his endorsed candidates losing, I, I think that's a fallacy for a great number of reasons as well. Um, we won't get into that now. That's a, that's a conversation for another time. But what I say to these people is like, well, you know, that's okay, but none of these candidates are President Trump. None of them. <laughs> so President Trump is, you know, love him or hate him, but he's by far the most influential political figure, certainly in my lifetime, the most electrifying Republican, certainly in my lifetime. And the GOP base are the base of, of my party. They're not dragging themselves over 100 yards of broken glass to vote for establishment GOP party leadership. They're not. <laughs> That's the, They're not. They're doing that for President Trump. And what happens to candidates down the ballot, they're going to get a lot of the establishment GOP traditional voters, what you call four of four voters. And four of four means like you're voting in if you've got four election cycles, a four or four voter is somebody who votes in all four, all four, three or four voters, three out of four election cycles and so on. But establishment GOP voters, most Republicans are going to get them. But the, what, what we need and when you talk, when you hear about people uniting this party, what you need is both. You need the 25 to 35 percent of the rabid Trump base that only votes for Trump. We need to figure out a way. Our party needs to figure out a way to bring them into the fold and. The last way that you do it is by not being there for President Trump when he needs you most. I just, you, and the, I think part of the reason why people feel like they're going to stay home if, you know, somebody indicts President Trump and he gets thrown in jail. I think part of the reason why our base is like, ah, screw it, man. This, this process is rigged. I'm not going out. Look what they did to my guy. They threw him in jail just to, just to make a point just for some political BS. And I ain't voting for the guy that benefited from that. And I think that's another problem with, with DeSantis uh, and the way that uh, the Trump base and, and certainly some base Republicans feel is they feel like he's just loitering. He's just, hang, even though he's going down in the polls, they feel like he's just sticking around. To, and, and maybe this isn't just a point to be made about, Pen, uh, about uh, DeSantis. Maybe it's a point that can be made about all the other Republican candidates in the primary too. I'm not just trying to single him out, but he's the number two. So like, that's why I'm talking about him, but it just seems like he's loitering and waiting to see what's going to happen with these indictments. 
And God forbid if President Trump gets indicted or is prohibited from running for president or, or they put him in pretrial confinement, which, by the way, wouldn't surprise me with all these partisan D.C. hack judges. It seems like they're using these indictments against him for political and personal benefit. I, I just think that vote, voters aren't going to like that. So I think the, the concern that that GOP strategists have, many, many of whom I've talked to about Trump's base staying home, I think they're warranted. And I also understand why the base is doing it. And so as the story about President Trump goes on and President Trump seems to be like one of the only people out there fighting for himself, it seems like every time a story about Joe Biden and his corruption and the Hunter Biden stuff, it seems like it seems like anytime news breaks about Hunter Biden, whether it's their bank statements or taking $20 million from countries who hate us, or, you know, in the case of Hunter Biden, sniffing cocaine off of hookers' butts or his laptop or whatever, it seems like anytime news drops about Biden corruption, they roll out another Trump indictment, uh, indictment to divert the news cycle. Um, I think what goes hand in hand with the, the Trump indictments is, is the Biden corruption. I think they're inextricably tied together because they tend to drive the news cycle. News comes out about Biden corruption, new Trump indictment. News comes out about Hunter Biden doing something, another Trump indictment. It's it's almost it's plain as day if you're paying attention. And you know, Democrats in the House and in the Senate were in full spin mode on the Sunday shows this weekend talking about and trying desperately to spin the Hunter Biden stuff and the Joe Biden corruption. I mean, frankly, it is, it's plain as day at this point. If you can't see just how corrupt the Biden administration is, I don't know what to tell you at this point. Either your head's in the sand or you're hardcore leftist or you're just stupid. I don't know. Um, but check out this video of Democrat uh, Representative Dan Goldman, who is basically the de facto Biden attorney. Um, responding to, I think he's on, I think he's on with Monica Lewinsky's boyfriend, Jake Tapper. Um, check out this video of how he responds to this question by Monica Lewinsky's boyfriend. Let's go and yet, more. notwithstanding all of the time effort and all of the moving goalposts, there's no evidence connecting President Biden to any of his son's business dealings. And you can, you know, you can sing all you want and make all sorts of accusations. But the fact of the matter is that President Biden, uh, there's been no evidence to show that he's been involved in anything. And so Hunter Biden will be treated by the Department of Justice as he should be. But Congress needs to stop investigating a private citizen and uh, stop this fishing expedition to try to link President Biden to Hunter Biden's conduct when there is no evidence to support that. Oh, you know, except sworn testimony, except bank records, except text messages, photos, emails, visitor, visitor logs, lunch meetings, or, you know, and a hell of a lot more. I mean, there's no way the American people believe this, right? I mean, it's there's no way Goldman believes this. I mean, I just don't know, folks. I think I think this story for Joe Biden is just going to get a hell of a lot worse. And, you know. I, I don't know how he recovers from this. Now, I I also am careful when I say that because the media has also, oh, the walls are closing in on President Trump for four years. Um, but bank statements are bank statements. Taking money from a, a, a corrupt oligarch 
in in Ukraine, in Russia, from the CCP paying Hunter Biden with bag full of diamonds. I mean, you can't lie about this stuff. And all this was while most of it, I should say, was while Joe Biden was was vice president. There's also evidence trickling out that he benefited, that he benefited while he was president of the United States. So I like, look, folks, stay tuned on a lot of this stuff and we'll, we'll make sure you keep getting the information. But uh, there's another video I want you to see of Democrat Rep. Jamie Raskin. And I think this speaks to the the Democrat strategy on addressing Biden corruption moving forward and into 2024. And it's just pivot, you know, like, <laughs> pivot away from it. Don't answer it. Deflect. Um but this is, is, again, this is stuff that came out on Sunday, so maybe you missed it, but we're going to bring it to you today. Go ahead and play the tape. We saw uh, uh, Joe Biden at one point say uh, that, that Hunter Biden had no dealings, got no money from China. We now see from Hunter's own uh, words that that's not true. Uh, did, 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 are, are, does any of this raise concerns for you? You know, the money from Ukraine, the money from China, uh, the money from Russia. Did, did, does any of this... Well, you know, look, whether or not it's criminal, whether or not it warrants special counsel status, are you concerned by the, about this stuff? I mean, here's what I'm concerned about. Um, during the Trump administration, we saw the development of a completely new public philosophy, which is that government is not an instrument of the common good and the public interest. Government is an instrument for private self-enrichment, for the guy who gets in, for his family, for his private businesses. And that's a model that we're seeing all over the world. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. All that stuff about Biden corruption, who, by the way, is a sitting president in the United States and his and all that stuff about his bank records. But let's just talk about a Trump instead. That's what I'm really concerned about. And and I, I'm concerned that Trump used the White House to enrich himself and his family. Are you kidding me? It is clear. It is clear that President Trump lost maybe hundreds of millions of dollars from being president. The guy went from being a billionaire playboy, real estate mogul with a global the global business could have skated the rest of his life. It's like never had to worry about anything again. Passed the business on to his son. <laughs> but but to this moron, to this mouth breather, oh my oh so oh he's President Trump somehow used his his position as president to enrich himself? Are you kidding? Well, how about how about we talk about the Democrats who actually do this? I mean, first person that comes to mind is, of course, Joe Biden, who has been in Washington for 50 years as a public servant and is somehow worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And we know how now through selling influence to foreign countries who hate us. It's clear as day. Why does Joe Biden making a U.S. senator salary of $174,000 plus, maybe give or take a penny here or there? I don't know, but it ain't, it ain't like he's making $10 million a year, I'll tell you that. How does he own beachfront property all over Delaware? How many homes does Joe Biden own on a government paycheck? I mean, why is Dianne Feinstein's net worth of over $100 million? I mean, these are people who spent their whole careers in Washington. President Trump spent his entire career building a global business. That is why he's worth money. The fact that he used the White House to enrich himself is just unbelievable. But again, the Democrats have no shame. They don't care. They're willing to lie to you. They're willing to lie to the media because 
many people in the media give them absolutely no pushback, a total and complete pass. But I just am not sure. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard. It, it feels like, it feels like the Democrats aren't sure what's going to happen with Joe Biden in the future. Like, in other words, they don't know how bad this corruption is going to get or what could be revealed tomorrow. And it feels like to me, it would be folly from a, from a, a strategic standpoint to not have somebody waiting in the wings. And I mean, to me, just, uh, you know, I'm not making any bets on this. Gavin Newsom from California seems pretty attractive now. I mean, the problem is, is that he's not, a, he's, he's not Scranton Joe. I mean, now granted, we all know that all Democrats for, are all the same. They all vote the same. They're all radical communists anymore um, for the most part, but certainly seems a hell of a lot more attractive than Joe Biden right now. Or how about this? Michelle Obama. Seems like some people in the media are trying to lay the foundations for that. I don't know. Might seem crazy, might not. But mark my words, folks. I feel like <laughs> this 2024 cycle might not have Biden at the top of the ticket. And uh, so I wanted to transition real quick to the to to something. Um, lots of COVID news broke over the weekend. Um, did you see? the story of records revealing Fauci and others made over 300 million from the COVID pandemic while Americans suffered. I, um, this one really, this one really hits close to home here. You know, these people, they made hundreds of millions of dollars in speaking engagements or royalty payments from Pfizer, from being on the board of some pharmaceutical company. I don't know. It's hard to wrap my mind around that. I mean, it's almost evil to me because the very same people who locked us down and forced your loved ones to die alone, the very same people who forced, you know, newborns to be held by only one parent or crushed your savings account or closed your business or locked you down in your home and forced a mask that was that that wasn't effective at all on your face for damn near 2 years called you a domestic terrorist or a conspiracy theorist for speaking out against the lockdowns, even though we know now they were not effective at all. In fact, there are some studies out there that say that they cost, our lockdown strategy cost over 100, between 150,000, 200,000 lives, killed people. <sighs> to think that these people, that these medical bureaucrats that nobody elected made millions while Americans were suffering just makes me sick to my stomach. And the fact that it seems like there was no method or madness to how uh, to their pandemic response strategy is also something that is really upsetting to me. And I guess it, lastly on this, you remember the the conversation at a committee hearing with Rand Paul and Fauci. Do you remember when Rand Paul asked Dr. Fauci if he made any any money during this pandemic or off of these pharmaceutical companies who are pushing an untested vaccine on the American people that's, again, we know now was largely ineffective. You remember when he was asked about that? Let's I've got that tape for you. Let's roll it. Here's what I want to know. It's not just about you. Everybody on the vaccine committee. 
Have any of them ever received money from the people who make vaccines? Can you tell me uh, that? Can you tell me if Senator, anybody on the vaccine approval committees ever received gonna, any money from people who make the vaccines? Soundbite number one, are you going to let me answer a question? Okay, so let me give you some information. First of all, according to the regulations, people who receive royalties are not required to divulge them, even on their financial statement, according to the Bayh-Dole Act. According to the regulation, he's not required to tell you if he made money while your family was being crushed, while your loved ones died alone. What, a, what kind of bogus BS answer is that? Just to answer the question, it's real simple, yes or no. Did you make money during the pandemic when people's lives were being destroyed and their savings account drained? Did you make money during the pandemic, Dr. Fauci, yes or no? I don't need to hear some BS about some regulation. Oh, you, your regulation requires that I don't actually have to tell you how much money I make. Like, what the hell is that? <laughs> These bureaucrats, the fact that they could profit off of people's tragedy is something that we should never allow to happen in this country again. What these people did to the American people during COVID was one of the worst human rights tragedies. I mean, top 15 in the last hundred years. I mean, one of the worst examples of government abuse. By the way, by and large, media celebrated government abuse that I've that that I certainly have ever seen. And we need to make sure that we elect leaders that hold these unelected bureaucrats who hurt, whose policies hurt the American people, who, by the way, have never once been held accountable at all. I mean, my God, if we made mistakes like they did, we'd be fired from our job. There would be, there would be consequences for our failure. But if you're a government bureaucrat, and certainly if you're a Democrat or you support these Democrat policies, you just fail up. Well, surely there had to be some method to the madness. I mean, Mandy Cohen, who is our current CDC director, I mean, surely when they talk about you know, just just trust the science, you stupid conservatives. Oh, you're anti-science conspiracy theorists. Surely their their strategy was based in science, right? I mean, I don't know. Let's see what let's see what Mandy Cohen, who by the way is our current CDC director, our current CDC director. Let's see what she had to say. So I would call, probably the person I called most was the Secretary of Health and Human Services in Massachusetts. She worked for a Republican governor just to, um, but you know, when she was like, are you, are you going to let them have professional um, uh, football? And I was like, nope. And she's like, okay, neither are we, neither are we. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so uh, you know, it was like conversations like that. So, or, or I'd be like, so when are you going to think about lightening up a mess? They're like, so like, next Monday. I'm like, okay, next Monday. Ah, uh, did you hear that? Are you going to let them are you going to let them have professional football? No. Okay. So this woman is talking over a glass of Chardonnay on the phone with her friend in Massachusetts, implementing policies that are destroying your life and talking about it as if she has the ability and the power to tell you what to do. That is the antithesis 
of living in America. That is the antithesis of individual freedom. But that's how they think about you. Am I, are, are we, are we, unelected bureaucrats, you didn't vote for these people, I didn't vote for these people, but this is unelected bureaucrats, are we going to let them have this? That's not the country that I want to live in, and I know that's not the country that you want to live in either, and that's not the country we should tolerate moving forward, especially in a, I've got five kids. I don't want them growing up in, Ameri in an America where unelected government bureaucrats can tell them what they can and can't have and what life they, what path they choose in life. It's absolutely sickening. Yet again, a perfect example of these people, these unelected bureaucrats failing up. Now this woman is the director of the CDC. So for those of you all thinking that lockdowns can never happen again, these mouth-breathing morons are still in charge of many of these institutions. It will not stop until we draw a line in the sand and say enough is enough. And so thankfully, there's a study that came out. Who's still getting vaccinated in August of 2023? Well, it looks like almost no one. And what's fascinating, these are the daily COVID-19 vaccine doses administered. Now, I am not, I want to repeat for, for these lib hacks that are going to be watching this show and clipping it up and trying to make it seem like I'm some whack job, crazy person, which they already do, but I don't care. Um, they, I'm not some crazy anti-vaxxer, right? But this vaccine clearly didn't work. They lied to you. In fact, it wasn't even a, a vaccine. It was, it was like a therapeutic. It maybe, maybe if, you know, and I'm not even going to say that it clearly didn't work. And if you look at, look at December of 2020, almost 40 million people, again, vaccine doses administered, seven day rolling averages, uh, all doses, including boosters are counted individually. So and it looks like in December of 2020, you know, under 10 million maybe January, 2021, 20 million, September 12th, 2021, 40 million. So it peaks out at, at over 40 million actually. And now it's down to world seven day rolling averages for vaccines, almost no one. Why do you think that is? Do you think it might be because people in this country and all around the world are realizing that government officials lied to them about it? Or do you think maybe all these people who aren't getting vaccinated, are they all conspiracy theorists? Because that's what the left called all of us when we didn't want to get vaccinated. That's what they said. You're an anti-vaxxer. You're a conspiracy theorist. Oh, and not only that, you're responsible for killing your grandma. You're an enemy of the state. Remember what Joe Biden said? Our patience is waning, but we can't wait. It's these people that are vaccinated. You're the ones causing all the deaths. In fact, you had Jimmy Kimmel out there saying that, oh, you haven't been vaccinated? You're not even getting medical care. We're not going to allow you into an emergency room. They painted you as an enemy for damn near a year. And now people all around the globe, nobody's getting vaccinated. And maybe that's a good thing. You know, you look at Eurostat. Uh, there's a video that I found, um, Eurostat, which it reveals Eurostat's just a, a European way of measuring um, different vaccination stats by country in the European Union. So I thought this video was really interesting. It doesn't necessarily prove anything, but as we continue to peel back the onion on how this vaccine affected people, 
It's an interesting data point to say the least. So Eurostat reveals that most vaccinated countries are still seeing high rates of excess mortality. I'll say that again. Most vaccinated countries are still seeing high rates of excess mortality. I want to play this video and then we'll talk about it. This is from uh, Eurostat. So this is the official European Union um, uh, statistics, uh, EU excess mortality from Eurostat. Now, um, looking down here, it conveniently breaks this up into uh, different countries so we can hover over and get the information. So Finland, we see um, 12.4 percent excess mortality. Ireland currently uh, 12.16. Portugal, two, just over two. Spain, 2.1. France, 3.85 percent, more than we would expect. Um, Austria, uh, well, Austria, wow, 13.175, higher than we would expect. But, and this is really interesting, when we look at some of the Eastern European countries, some of the poorer European countries, again, coincidentally, some of the countries that didn't vaccinate uh, as much for COVID, we see Bulgaria, 8.74% uh, less than we would expect. Romania, 12% less than we would expect. Um, hung Hungary, less than we would expect. We're seeing the, in these countries death rates less than we would expect. Um, now, this is what we would expect everywhere, really. This is what we would expect everywhere, because during the pandemic, the people that died were the people that were most vulnerable, and therefore they died a few years earlier than they would have done, and they're not dying now. So we would expect lower death rates globally, everywhere at the moment, but we're seeing the exact opposite of that. You know, the media would have you believe that all of what this man said, based on Eurostat's own website, their official mechanism for tracking vaccine stats, would have you believe that this is all a conspiracy theory. In fact, if I were on YouTube right now doing this channel, but I'm not, I'm on Rumble, we do it exclusively here for just this reason, they would likely ban my channel forever just by giving you this information. And, you know, I don't know what conclusion that you draw from this, but it's certainly interesting. The, the idea that countries like Finland, Ireland, Austria, all those nations have been heavily vaccinated, almost universal compliance on their vaccine rollouts, 12.4 for Finland, more deaths than expected. Ireland, 12.16, more deaths than expected. Austria, 13.175, more deaths than expected. Countries that didn't roll out the vaccine or have universal mandates on forcing people to get the vaccines, they had less deaths than, than were expected. And of course, we all know somebody that got the vaccine and immediately got sick. And in fact, there was some scientific consensus around the fact that if you got the vaccine, you might even be more likely to catch COVID because it weakens your, immu your immune system. So I don't know about any of this stuff, but as more information comes out about this vaccine, the more people are talking about it, the better that this country will be because we can't allow this stuff to ever happen again. And when we talk about holding people accountable, we have to hold the media accountable. Because how many people died 
unnecessarily because the media insulted people for taking hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin, said that they called ivermectin horse dewormer. They said that hydroxychloroquine was, was not effective. They insulted you for trying these things. They insulted you for doing everything that you can to, to combat COVID, especially in the early days when when this when there wasn't a whole lot known and people should have been trying different therapeutics to prevent illness or prevent serious illness as the virus rolled on, it just seems like the media was all in on pr promoting these, you know, experimental vaccines that ultimately weren't effective and smearing people for just in good faith trying things that, by the way, like a drug like ivermectin is is prescribed to hundreds of millions of people uh, all over the world, saved countless lives. The person who founded or created ivermectin won the Nobel Prize, for God's sake. Uh, but, you know, CNN would have you believe it's horse paste. Um, remember when Joe Rogan got COVID, how they relentlessly smeared him? Um, I want you to listen to this um, to this clip uh, of Joe Rogan talking about utilizing ivermectin, ivermectin and his multi-drug approach to, con to combating COVID when he caught it. Check this out. Hello, friends. So I got back from the road Saturday night feeling very weary. I had a headache and I just felt just run down. And just to be cautious, I separated from my family, slept in a different part of the house, and throughout the night, I got fevers and sweats, and I knew what was going on. So I got up in the morning, got tested, and it turns out I got COVID. So we immediately threw the kitchen sink at it, all kinds of meds, monoclonal antibodies, uh, ivermectin, Z-Pak, uh, prednisone, everything. Uh, and I also got an NAD drip and a vitamin drip, and I did that three days in a row. And so here we are on Wednesday, and I feel great. I really only had one bad day. Sunday sucked, but Monday was better. Tuesday felt better than Monday, and today I feel good. I actually feel pretty fucking good. Uh, that's the good news. The bad news is we have to move Friday the Friday show in Nashville. Uh, it's going to move to Sunday, October 24th. So that will be the new Nashville date. My apologies to everyone. Obviously, there's nothing that I can control. Um, it is what it is. Crazy times we're living in. Uh, but a wonderful, heartfelt thank you to Modern Medicine for pulling me out of this so quickly and easily. And uh, my love to all of you. Thank you. Bye. I mean, Joe Rogan, I mean, that's a class, that's a classy video. And look, monoclonal antibodies, ivermectin, z erythromycin, prednisone, NAD drip, vitamin drip. This approach closely aligns with multi-drug early treatment protocols advocated by Dr. Peter McCullough, who, by the way, the media said was a whack job conspiracy theorist who should largely be disregarded, and Dr. Pierre Corey. Uh, and really a lot of other medical professionals said that this is this is the right way to approach this so not only did did the media smear these doctors for and again these are esteemed doctors who went to medical school 
not only did they smear these people, but they also smeared Joe Rogan for simply telling other people what he took and how it may have helped him. Look at what look at what CNN did to Joe Rogan after he posted that video. Let's roll the tape. And it turns out I got COVID. So we immediately threw the kitchen sink at it. All kinds of meds, monoclonal antibodies, uh, ivermectin, Z-Pak, uh, prednisone, everything. <laughs> they altered the video. They turned Joe Rogan to a yellowish hue, and they characterized ivermectin as horse dewormer in their presentation of the video. I mean, no joke. We could probably find you a supercut or something that we play tomorrow of all of these media hacks calling ivermectin horse dewormer. And how many lives could have been saved if they didn't do that? I, I frankly, I'm wondering why there's not been a class action lawsuit after go, you know, someone who lost a loved one, maybe because that could have been helped by one of these early interventions. You know, how are people not suing the media for this purposeful? disinformation and slander against other doctors who were advocating for different approaches than just, you know, big pharma experimental vaccines that were by and large mandated and attempted to force on the American people. Some, some, some Americans lost their jobs, some medical professionals and even pilots, they, they lost their jobs and they haven't gotten them back yet. So, um, we can never allow this happen again. Um, just, we can never allow it to happen again. You know, up next, Disney is in full collapse. Their execs are in panic mode. But before we go there, I want to I want to give a shout out to one of my sponsors, uh, Cabot Guns. They're a Western Pennsylvania based company. I'm from Western Pennsylvania, from the Pittsburgh area, born and raised, fourth generation. Uh, Cabot, they are huge Second Amendment supporters. I mean, obviously they're a gun company, so I think it works for them, but I can't tell you what it means to me to have a company that believes in the second amendment that, that fights on the regular for our rights and constitutional rights of the American people, especially at a time where the radical left is on the move and they're looking to remove our rights, any opportunity that they get. Uh, but Cabot guns, you got to go check them out, go to Cabot guns, um, go to their website. They make the best pistols in the world, 1911 style, uh, 45 caliber. I mean, they make some in, in nine mil as well, but a 1911 style, they are the Rolls Royce of, of pistols. I mean, they, and they are a hundred percent, every part, every component part made right here in this country. And I'm telling you, I, sh I shoot all the time and these guns are by far the best manufactured gun on the planet. I mean, they're just top of the top of the top. And they even have a new, they even have a new tactical uh, pistol that has come out called the apocalypse. And it's just badass. You've got to go, got got to go check it out. Cabot guns is a great company. Uh, check them out. Uh, so, and I, and by the way, they're a sponsor of the show. None of this show wouldn't, it would not be possible to, to, to live stream the show and tell the truth that we're telling to you, the American people without people like Cabot. So, so thanks to them for always being there for me. Um, Disney, let's get back to Disney here for a second. Disney loses $512 million in Q3 streaming disaster following a subscriber exodus. Now that shouldn't surprise anybody. Um, 
Disney has been going after our children for a long time. They've gotten all sorts of bad press, and they they brought in Iger to try to right the ship. But this trend began in the last quarter of the fiscal year of 2022, and has shown no signs of reversing. This this piece by the Post Millennial on Wednesday, Disney released its results for the third quarter of the fiscal year, revealing revealing that its streaming division has lost hundreds of millions of dollars. I mean, absolutely dev devastating time for for Disney. Um, and I have to say, it doesn't surprise me. And I say this as somebody who, you know, I grew up loving Disney movies. My wife, Melanie, loves Disney movies. Our kids love Disney movies. But the culture at that company has, has clearly changed. And it seems like their executives are in the business now of not actually growing the business and the brand, but trying hard to destroy the business and lose as much money as humanly possible. For example, if you bought Disney stock in 2014, the stock today is worth the exact same sum of money, almost 10 years later. And I think what's happening here is th the people that work at Disney in the actors and actresses that they cast in these roles, they fundamentally don't understand what the company is all about and they're radical, woke, crazy people that just have a general disdain for everything that Disney was, you know, for all of the success that Disney built. Like these people, these 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 people who work at Disney, these actors and actresses who are cast in all of these new roles, these people are standing on the shoulders of giants in that company. Walt Disney risked everything. I mean, Snow White and the Seven Doors was... Disney's first movie. It was a huge risk for them to do. I think halfway through the movie, Walt Disney lost funding, didn't have enough money to get it done, but convinced investors to do it. I think it was one of the very first animated, if not the first animated film ever produced. People by and large condemn Walt Disney for it, thought it was going to be a joke. But I think when you adjust for inflation, Snow White is one of the most successful movies of all time. Now that was Disney's very first movie. Okay. But I think it, I think when you adjust for inflation, Snow White in the seven doors, the original earned something near $1.7 billion. And it was because of Snow White that Disney was able to grow into the family friendly company that it was for damn near 50 years. But in just the last five years, these radical, woke, crazy people, these mouth breathers, are, seem hell-bent on destroying it. I mean, use this, this new actress. I think her name is Rachel Z Z Ziegler. I don't really know how to pronounce her name. How the hell you pronounce her name? She was out there doing media and press for the new Snow White movie because that's what these movie companies do now. They remake all the old movies because they don't have any new ideas of their own, so they just want to regurgitate old crap that already has a pre-existing audience built in for people. Um, because they know that people who maybe saw Snow White or like Snow White or grew up with Snow White are going to return to the movie to see the remake because it's Snow White, right? Well, this actress that's been out there, just, just watch, first of all, let's just watch this video of how this, of this young actress, actress talks about Snow White. And then I'll give you my thoughts. Let's roll the tape. I mean, you know, the, the original cartoon came out in 1937, yeah. and very evidently so. <laughs> um, there is a big focus on her love story um, with a guy who literally stalks her. <laughs> yeah. Weird. Weird. Super 
weird. So we didn't do that this time. So no, so no prints or a different kind of prints? We have a different approach to what I'm sure a lot of people will assume is a love story just because like we cast a guy in the movie, right. Andrew Burnap, great dude. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's one of those things that I think everyone's going to have their assumptions about what it's actually going to be, but uh, it's really not about the love story at all, which is really, really wonderful. And whether or not she finds love along the way is anybody's guess until 2024. Um, all of Andrew's scenes could get cut. Who knows? It's Hollywood, baby. Great dude. Oh, he's a great dude. Hey, but his scenes could get completely cut. It's Hollywood, baby. Now, <laughs> so let me let me just say this. Her what she said was that the prince and Snow White. Now, I again, I understand how maybe crazy it is as a, a wounded combat veteran talking about Disney movies. Look, I got five kids. That's how it is. Um, I know Disney movies. <laughs> they all like Disney movies. So I could talk Disney. But she's out there talking about Snow White and the prince that stalked her. Any of y'all remember watching Snow White? I sure as hell do. The prince doesn't even meet Snow White until after she's passed away. And he stumbles upon the dwarves having a funeral for her, I think. And he's so struck by her beauty that he 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 kisses her goodbye. And his kiss is what brings her back to life. And then they fall in love and they live happily ever after. But to this Hollywood actress, she thinks that that's somehow a negative. You know, a, a man pursuing a woman, like wanting to help a woman, wanting to be chivalrous, wanting to be there, uh, wanting to help save her is somehow a negative thing. And that who knows, maybe this, maybe the good dude, the guy that the cast is the prince, maybe he'll be cut out of the movie entirely. I mean, it's just, it seems like the people that they're casting in these movies just don't understand what Disney is all about. They don't understand. They absolutely hate the company. They're radical leftist whack jobs that don't even understand the significance of Snow White. And they're doing everything that they can to unravel the legacy of, of Disney. And I think this is why, I mean, I used to be, I used to be a huge Disney fan. I mean, our kids used to go to Disney all the time. I don't think we can ever bring them back there because our family is going to choose to spend our dollars with companies who like us, who don't despise us, who share our values. And if you go to Disney and you're spending money at that park, I mean, how you're spending money and in, in helping people that want to groom your children into buying into this crazy LGBTQ uh, whack job LMNOP agenda, which is all about, and I have, I have look, live your life the way that you want. I, I have no issues with that. But when you start forcing this stuff on my kids, I got an issue with it. When you start sexualizing children and showing them pornography in school, because that's what it is, I got a real problem with that. And using Disney movies to do it, hell no. Bob Iger said that the notion that Disney is in any way sexualizing children, quite frankly, is preposterous. Well, uh, we'll see about that. Let's uh, let's let's play that tape and see if what he says is true. The notion that Disney is in any way sexualizing children, quite frankly, is is preposterous um, and inaccurate. Hello and welcome to the Disney Plus This Is Me Pride Celebration Spectacular. Texted me this morning, <laughs> you know, Gen Z is 30 to 40% queer than the other generation's mom, so Disney better get with it. Our leadership over there has been so 
welcoming to like my like not at all secret gay agenda. They've been really open to exploring queer stories. I'm on the production side. And so kind of the only way to have these like canonical trans characters, canonical asexual characters, canonical bisexual characters is to give them stories where they can like be their whole selves. I identify as like a biromantic asexual. I want to like add the, po the, the pockets of the LGBTQ community that you don't see. I was like, I want to get like gay advanced. So we no longer say ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's hello everyone or hello friends. We were targeting Gen Z and, and millennials. We were tar targeting a younger, um, and all this content's going for to kids who don't know any of this, and even if they're in a household like Keith uh, that have uh, supportive parents, they're still getting all of this information from media of what is normal. Now that was something that the DeSantis campaign team put out, pushing back against what Iger said, and clearly what he said is, is not true. I mean, what these people are doing, what these producers, what these writers are doing is weaving this radical crap into stories and pushing it on children in an attempt to normalize it. Now, again, live your life the way that you want. If you're a grown adult, you do what you want to do. I am not opposed to that stuff. <laughs> it's like, this is America, but you start forcing this stuff on my children and the children of this country. Well, there's a line in the sand and you just crossed it and there's no way in hell I support that. And this leads into the, to the final segment into the home stretch and that I personally believe, and I think this plays out in everything that we're seeing, that conservatives have the high ground in the culture war right now. You look at all the money that Disney lost. We just talked about that. You look at all the, the woke craziness that's woven into those movies. I think the vast majority of this country who just want to watch a good movie, who just want to see a movie that's appropriate for kids, they see these stories and they shake their head and they're desperate for something else, something that shares their values. You look at like Bud Light and Anheuser-Busch, like look at this, Anheuser-Busch sales plummet in U.S. amid Bud Light boycott. The company's U.S. sales fell by more than 10% over the three months, over the three months compared to the same period last year, according to the company's earnings report released on Tuesday. Meanwhile, Anheuser-Busch's core profit in the U.S. fell by more than 28%. That is staggering. Consider then uh, also the Sound of Freedom and its success, earning over $155 million at the box office. Talks about child trafficking, which is a, a horrific tragedy that we need to put a stop to in this country yesterday. America is, is awakened by that movie. $155 million at the box office. Built It, it, it beat films like Indiana Jones uh, and Mission Impossible. It's an absolute juggernaut. Why? Because I think the American people support what that movie is about. Or how about Jason Aldean? Try, try that in a small town. The left universally condemned that song. They called Jason, uh, <laughs> unsurprisingly, they called Jason Aldean a, a racist and a white supremacist. Oh, why? Because he didn't want Antifa riots, Black Lives Matter riots in his town. He said that if you come here and you do that, like people in the town won't like it very much and they'll defend themselves. You're damn right we will. I mean, again, that song skyrocketed to number one because Americans 
are tired of this woke BS being forced in every aspect of their life. Like every time you see, every time you turn on the TV, it's like you're being drowned with this woke propaganda. I think Americans are sick of it. And the latest example of conservatives winning the culture war are, are this, this guy writes this song. It's one of the best stories on Twitter that I've ever seen. His name is Oliver Anthony. And he writes this song. He got a couple of songs out there, pro-America, pro-working class, you know, anti-state of the country as it is today. <laughs> he writes this song called Rich Men of North Richmond. And not only does, I mean, I've heard the song. I mean, a couple things on it. You know, obviously, it speaks to you know, where I am politically. And it speaks to, I think, accurately the state of the country. And it speaks to the plight of the Amer American working man and woman and our middle class. And the idea right now that our dollar is worth less, even though we're working hard for each dollar that we make, that, you know, you go to the grocery store and you spend a hundred bucks and you look in your cart, you can physically see that it buys less food than it did when Donald Trump was president. That's for sure. And so. So not only does it speak to all these really, really important issues, it's also just a damn good song. And so two things are going to happen, folks, and I want you to pay attention to this because uh, the, the left-wing media and actually just the media in general is already coming out to smear this, this Oliver Anthony, by the way, just like, <laughs> like a star overnight, you know, <laughs> like a real life, a star is born, you know, humble, self-effacing kid obviously had some struggles, reads the Bible on the daily. In fact, like at his first public concert, his first public concert before he kicked off any of the songs, read the Bible. Um, the media is going to try to, they're going to try to do two things with this kid because he's, he's, he's brand new in the spotlight and this is what they do. So just, just like bookmark this. They're going to try to force this kid into betraying his values and therefore betraying his audience or they're going to dig up stuff in his, in his past. If they can't find anything to slander him with, they'll make it up. But they're going to do everything that they can to try to destroy this kid. So everybody that's watching this live stream is going to listen to this. Pray for Oliver Anthony because the left-wing media, they're already starting to come after him. Uh, TMZ reports, right-wingers rally around new song by unknown artist after Jason Aldean. Right-wingers. Uh, okay. Uh, the New York Daily News, rich men of Northmen. Rich, rich men, rich men north of Richmond becomes new right wing blue collar anthem. I mean, and then of course Rolling Stone has to get in on on the slander of this poor kid. I mean, they're they're a disgraced left wing rag anyway. But they just basically call Oliver Anthony a far right wing loon that only speaks to the heart of conservative right wingers. But no, that's not true. This is how actual. Americans feel. And again, the media is just wholly detached from what is important in this country, from what Americans really want. They want a strong economy. They want to be able to raise their children without government showing them porn in their schools. They want to be able to have a job where their dollar actually buys them things at the store. They want a strong border. They don't want to throw their tax dollars away defending Ukraine 
when we can't even defend our own border, when Americans are struggling with fentanyl addiction, people, fentanyl is the number one killer of people in this country, where veteran homelessness is at an all-time high. America has all sorts of issues right now. And by and large, the American people are dissatisfied with not just Democrats in our government, I'm sure as hell Joe Biden at the helm, like it guys are absolute walking disaster that can barely string together a coherent sentence. But it's also Republicans bear some responsibility for this as well. And Americans are frustrated and they're listening to the song by Oliver Anthony and they're saying, hey, this speaks to my heart. And this is why this guy not only has uh, Richmond, North of Richmond, become the number one song on iTunes, not only is he number one, he, he's got two or three other songs on there too. So I want you to um, listen to this song. I mean, and, and you tell me if it speaks to your heart. People like you wish I could just wake up and it not be true, but it is. Oh, it is living in the new world with an old soul. These rich men, north the rich men, Lord knows it all. Just want to have total control. Want to know what you think. Want to know what you do. And they don't think you know. But I know that you do. Because your dollar ain't shit. And it's taxed to no end. Cause a rich man. Cause a rich man. That is what country music is all about. That is what loving America is all about. Conservatives desperately need to win the culture war because if you believe, and I do, that politics is downstream from culture, then we need to be putting forth these songs and putting forth films that speak to the state of America as it is today, but also how to make this country better. And I think by elevating people like Oliver Anthony will do that, speak directly to the hearts of the American people. And so... For those of y'all tuning in, watching this live stream, I want to thank you so much for, for being with me. This is like really my very first, we did a beta test of it, but this is my very first live stream that I've done. And so I'm so happy that you could be with me. This show's for you. And we're going to be doing this every night at five from here on out. So thank you for watching. God bless this exceptional nation that we call home. Um, and God bless America. Take care. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, Old Spice deodorant, or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details.
Your getaway with Apple Vacations begins the moment you step on board one of our exclusive non-stop vacation flights. Escape the ordinary with packages starting at just $599. No layovers, just pure relaxation from takeoff to touchdown. Immerse yourself in the joy of travel with Apple Vacations. Your journey is as enchanting as the destination. So pack your bags and leave the rest to us. Visit AppleVacations.com or call your local travel advisor to book your vacation.